You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. So I want to welcome you, as I said, to our first service of 2020. 2020. Come on, 2020. Isn't that like a space age sounding year? Like when you think about 2020, you know, I mean, here I saw this and I was like, wow, that's weird. We're now closer to 2050 than we are to 1990. Let that sink in. We're closer to 2050 than we are to 1990 now. Oh, that's weird. Is that weird for anybody else or is that just me? Like, I mean, that's a little bit, come on, you know, like, I don't know. What would you think about, you know, when I won't ask you how many of you were born, you know, in like the 50s or the 60s or 70s, you know, we can go 40s maybe. I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, these are some weird numbers in 2020s. Um, and people made predictions. I mean, you probably have predictions about what you thought was going to happen when we got to the year 2020. You know, if you would have thought about this. Remember, like, Y2K, right? Some of the kids don't remember they weren't born. But remember, Y2K was, like, a big thing. Like, what is Y2K, right? Like, that was, like, a big deal. But now, think about 2020. So there were some predictions throughout the years that were made, you know, years ago about what would happen by the time we hit this. And some of those were, were pretty good, and some of those were, like, really far off. I have a few examples. Um, in, in, in a lecture at the uh, Royal College of Surgeons of England in 1911, a surgeon by the name of Richard Clement Lucas made the prediction that the useless outer toes will become less and less so that man might become a one-toed race by 20... Could you imagine that we're just one toe? I actually... Google the picture of it, and it was disturbing, and so I didn't want to show it. I thought, I could show a picture of this. I was like, you know, that might, it was really just, do not Google toes, especially one-toed foot. Like, that's just a really disturbing picture. Um, in 1994, the RAND Corporation, which is a global think tank that's contributed to the space program and the development of the Internet, said they expected us to have animal employees by the year 2020 that during the 21st century, those houses that don't have a robot in the broom closet could have a live-in ape to do the cleaning and gardening chores. Also, the use of well-trained apes as family chauffeurs might decrease the number of automobile accidents. Who knew? Some of you said, I knew I saw monkeys driving around. Like, as you call them things, you know, like, no, there's... Hmm, that's a little odd. I don't... There actually is a picture of a monkey with a broom, like, in a house. And I was like, yeah, that's just... Interesting. Uh, the inventor and science writer, futurist Arthur C. Clarke, co-wrote the screenplay for 2001 A Space Odyssey, for those of you who are fans, believed that the houses of the future would have nothing keeping them on the ground, and they'd be able to move anywhere on the earth on a whim, that you might have entire neighborhoods migrating south. It's like, we, I saw Up, right, with the balloons, right? And I just imagine, like, these houses just, imagine, hey, we're going south for the winter. Oh, all right, I'll watch your yard. You know, like taking the house, you know, like interesting. In 1950, popular mechanics article, uh, New York Times science writer Waldemar Kempfert, I don't even know, predicted that by the 21st century, all food would be delivered to our homes in the form of frozen bricks. Um, that a few diehards will still broil a chicken or a roast a leg of lamb, but the experts have developed ways of deep freezing, partially cooked cuts of meat. So you just get a brick of food. Like, doesn't that sound appetizing? You know, did, you get, did you get your brick of you know, delivery today? I don't know. Like, just bricks of food. Another article in Popular Mechanics, 1957, predicted that every road and street in America 
would be eliminated and be replaced by a network of pneumatic tubes. And that all you had to do was have enough power to get your car to the tube. And I'm like, it's, it's sort of like Mario Brothers world. You know, there's like, you just go tubes and, you know, you go down, you come up over here at work. Okay, I'd, be, I'd be pretty cool. You know, I mean, we have subways, you know, but I don't think it's the same thing. Again, in 19... 19- I hesitated to include this one, but I'm going to go for it. I'll probably get in trouble. In 1950, Associated Press writer Dorothy Rowe declared that the women of tomorrow would be more than six feet tall, wear a size 11 shoe, have shoulders like a wrestler, and muscles like a truck driver. (laughs) Their proportions would be perfectly Amazonian, Oh, evidently thanks to science providing a balanced nutrition of vitamins, proteins, and minerals that provide maximum body efficiency. Um, I, I did not Google a picture of that one. Just so you, I was like, no, I'm just going to stay away. Uh, maybe like, you know, Wonder Woman kind of thing. You know, I don't know. Size 11s for everybody. Um, easy to find shoes, you know. Just, um, and then finally, uh, in 1900, uh, John Elfrith Watkins, Jr., the curator of mechanical technology at the Smithsonian Institute, boldly predicted that by this year there will be no C, X, or Q in our everyday alphabet. That those letters would be eliminated. <laughs> They'll be ava- abandoned because they're unnecessary. Instead, we'd be spelling mostly by sound and would only communicate condensed words expressing condensed ideas. I was like, LOL. Right? Like, OMG, this is happening. This is actually real. Um, you know, they don't teach spelling in school anyway because we've got autocorrect. So, like, that's actually, that's that one. That one's, some, like this, some of these are, yeah. Hmm, well. um, the point is that for the most part, we're bad at predictions. <laughs> uh, we're pretty terrible at, at predicting and forecasting. Like, they don't even know what the temperature is going to be, you know, tomorrow. Right? The weather, we know everybody. We're bad at forecasting. Um, so, it's... I bring that up because it's my job at the beginning of every new year to kind of cast vision for the year ahead and to forecast and to predict and to kind of share with you where I think we're going to go. Um, and don't, don't just judge me because you do it too. We just, we just call them resolutions, not predictions, right? I resolve that this year I'm going to lose weight. It's a prediction I'm going to lose weight. It's a prediction that I'm going to join a gym and that I'm going to eat better and that I'm going to be kinder and that I'm going to be nicer and that I'm not going to argue as much. You know, we make these predictions about ourselves. I'm going to read more. I'm going to argue less. And we all know that none of that's going to happen. <laughs> right? We make jokes about resolutions. Like, how many of you made resolutions and they're already broken? Right? We're just a few days in, right? Like, it happens. How many resolutions have you made and not kept through the years? Just think. Right? We're... We're terrible at making predictions about things because ambition is nice and all that. We, we mean well, but it, the calendar changing just doesn't do anything magically for us. In New Jersey, we're famous for our cynicism, right? You're not going to fool us, right? There's just, you know, where our state motto, I think, is I don't know about that. That's like our, that's our state motto, right? Like, you know, I, I don't care what you say. Um, you know, Thomas is our favorite disciple. Um, only some of you will get that. Um, so as we think through, you know, this sort of we're terrible at forecasting, we're doing that. And now I'm here and I'm going to share with you kind of what we feel God's put on our heart for this year ahead. I understand that there's going to be a natural skepticism to what I'm about to share. And so I'm just letting you know, I know, and it's OK. You're allowed to be skeptical. OK, but every year we pause to kind of see what season we're in. 
Because, as you know, as Nikki mentioned, and it was fantastic what she shared, trees don't bear fruit in every season. Our church is called Life Tree Community Church, so we kind of you know, use that tree metaphor. But trees don't bear fruit in every season, right? So we, we're kind of, yeah, we're not really snow, uh, as much to the consternation of the children. There's not much snow, but there's no leaves, right? You look around, it's, it's, everything is just dull, right? Sort of, there's very, really like foggy this week, you know, it's just like, ugh, ugh. You know, like the weather's just not great. You don't look outside and go, wow, everything is growing. It's just everything looks like blah. Right? But you've got these seasons. If you go up to a tree right now, is anybody freaking out because the trees in your yard don't have leaves? No, because they're not supposed to. But if it was like June or May and there were no leaves on your trees, you'd, you'd, you'd be calling up somebody being like, I think I've got a dead tree. Because you know what season you're in, what it's supposed to look like. It's important to know what season you're in so you know what you're supposed to be looking for. Because if you're expecting one thing and getting something else, something might be off or you might be missing something. Right? So every year we find that it's important to kind of say, okay, God, where are we? What's going on? And uh, our leadership takes time. We pray and we ask God to kind of give us some wisdom. And it's interesting now because we've been doing this for a decade. Our church started on 10-10-10. October 10th, 2010, we were in the Sharon Elementary School. Right? And we launched... And that first year for us, you know, 2010 was a year of preparing the ground. That's really what it was for us. And we, so this was a year where we're going to just, you know, get to work and uh, start, just try to, how do you start a church? So we, we began to just prepare the ground and dig because there really had nothing to start with. We just had, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this. So 2010 was a year preparing the ground. And then in 2011, we began to, to plant. We identified as a year of planting. We got to say, okay, now start putting seed in the ground. Any of you do any gardening at all, you know you've got to turn over the ground first, and then you begin to put seeds in the ground. So we begin to plant. Say, so, okay, let's, let's start. We're having services. And let's start with small groups, and let's just start to meet people and get to know people and, and build habits of what does it mean to have faith. And so our church began to grow from this. 2012 was a year of cultivating. It wasn't a year of planting more seeds. It was, okay, let's instead of trying to go, you know, too, too far, too fast, let's just start, you know, planting everywhere. How about we just take care of what we've already started? What we could get done in a year, that was good. Now let's begin to cultivate that. Roll up our sleeves and, and get to work. 2012, a year of increase. We began to see a little bit of growth. Like as we're working, we continue to, to cultivate, continue to work, and continue to take care of those things. Now it was a time for God to begin showing 2013. It was a year of increase. We began to see little bits of green, little things. Like, all right, I think something green. I think it's working. Like at that point, we're like, I think the church is going to, we're not going to die. We're going we're gonna to be all right. And then 2014, first fruit, began to see, all right, God's actually doing something here. We began to see fruit uh, show up in our church. Then 2015, a year of maturity, we began, came to maturity. We, we actually, that's when we moved to the senior center. We, 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 became, we actually had membership up until that point. Some of you, anybody going to our church back in those days? Some of you? All right. Some, so some of you remember that we'd have like connection cards that says membership, and it meant nothing. We didn't have membership. Like if you want to call yourself a member, go ahead. Like, nothing formal, nobody's stopping you. You could come first time, be like, I'm a member. Be like, all right, sure, hey, yeah, you're a member. Right? Now we actually have, like, a little bit of a membership process. We've got a board, things like that. We didn't have that back then. This year is when all that came to pass, 2015. 2016, then, was the year of giving. We began to say, okay, now God's just really directing our hearts to, to give away much of what he's doing in us and to make sure that we're serving our community in, in generous and extravagant ways. 
2017 was a year we felt like God said he was going to work in such power that we'd be filled with holy awe and wonder. It was a year of wonder. And, and we can go back and you can listen to messages from then and talk about the stories of what God did in that year. It really was uh, truly lived up to its name. And then a, 2018 was a year of multiplication. We felt like God was going to tell us now, we got two leaves. We're going to help the kingdom grow. And we helped five churches get started in that year outside of ourselves. We bought land for somebody else before we ever have land. In case you don't know, we don't own this. We just rent this. Not our building. This church has services on Saturdays. We rent here on Sundays, and it works. Uh, but we don't own land. We own nothing. Um, we, we own a trailer that somebody else uses. We own some signs, a sound system. Yeah, it's not our piano. Uh, we own the keyboard. Uh, just a few things, right? We don't own anything, but God directed our hearts to multiply the kingdom. And then this past year, 2019, Jesus at the center it was a year where we felt like God just said, okay, time to recalibrate. Make sure now. Make sure that through all of these years, through all these, that it's time that, that I'm where I'm supposed to be. So look at Jesus. Pastor Kevin shared this last, last week, a, a, a tremendous message, just kind of recapping the year about putting Jesus at the center of our heart and our decisions and our attitudes and our, our fears and our worship and just the center of our lives, our relationships, everything. Now this year, again, we just continue to say, okay, God, that's what you did. But now, God, I, I believe there's, there's a new day in front of us. And what are you wanting to do today? And what are you wanting to do today? Um, and we believe that God has not just spoken to, to us as a leadership team, just for our church collectively, but actually the word that I'm about to share with you is, okay, this is where it's going to get a little, it's for you personally. I believe God has something he wants us to share with you that is for you this year in your own life. Um, and it's actually remarkable because every year it seems like we come up with something and when whatever God speaks to us, and we come up with it, and then it begins to be affirmed and confirmed globally by other churches and other, so like some of the songs we sing are by a band called Hillsong. We come up with a, with a theme for the year, uh, Wonder, and they come out with an album called Wonder, right? We do a year of multiplication. They come out with an album, 100 Billion X, right? And we're like, okay, this is like, this is crazy, right? And so, we came up with this theme for this year, again, back in October. Felt like God's speaking to us back in October. So if you're hearing it today and you were, you know, this, this is not geared towards anybody. We just hear it and felt like it's what God's speaking. And already on the very first day of January on the Version Bible app, if you don't have that Bible app that Pastor Kevin was talking about, you should download it. It's just a Bible app called um, the Bible by, by Version. It's free. It's fantastic. It's the best possible app you could have on your phone. And on January 1st, that was the verse of the day that they chose to start, and you were all sharing it. I, I saw people sharing it. And it was like, this is, man. And then Pastor Drace showing me other people are tweeting it. And I'm like, okay, God is speaking. So it's found in Isaiah 43, right? And to give some context, I'm going to read it. going to be up on the screen. If you'd like to flip there in those Bibles, you can. If you don't have a Bible, you can take one, the softcover ones. The hardcover ones stay here. They're not ours. Um, but the softcover Bibles, if you need a Bible, please take them. Uh, happy, to, happy to give them away. To give some context to this passage before I read it, the people of Israel, right, old, this is like a long time ago, long, many, many years ago, right, generations, talking thousands of years ago, people of Israel are living under the constant threat of military attacks by these two great, um, you've probably heard of Assyria, the Assyrians, right? The Babylonians, Babylon. So Assyria and Babylon are these two powers. Assyria is really in power. Babylon is rising. It's not quite at its might yet. And they're both threatening Israel. 
right? So they're kind of under this constant military threat from surrounding nations. And the book of Isaiah is sort of like a mini Bible. The first half of the Bible of, of Isaiah, God is sort of talking to people, being like, hey, these were the rules and you messed up. And the second half of Isaiah, he's like, but, but here's where there's hope. Here's, the, here's where there's hope. I'm going to do something, right? And so it's the second half that we're going to examine today. So it's good. We're not talking about, it's not a year of God's talk, point, point where we messed up, right? We're talking about hope today. Today's a message about hope. So Isaiah 43, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. It's going to be on the screen. You can also read along. And it says this. It says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. Remember, again, people, military threat. He says, listen, I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters and a dry path through the sea. He's referring back to when he led them out of Egypt. If you remember that story from the movie, Prince of Egypt, right? I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned their live stuff out like a smoldering candle wick. And I, I don't, this candle wick, that's not a common word. All right, but forget all that, he says. I led you out of Egypt. I did all this stuff, these great miracles, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I mean, can you feel this? Come on, I feel it right now. Here we go. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field are going to thank me. The jackals and the owls, too, for giving them water in the desert. It says, yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Last verse here. I have made Israel for myself, and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Can we just pray for a moment? God, I ask you today, take whatever it is that you want to say to us, Lord, and help us to receive it. Lord, I ask you this morning for everybody in here, Lord, help us to be open to whatever it is that you want to speak, give us ears to hear you. In your name we pray. Amen. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. We're going to dig around here for the next few weeks. So just a few thoughts that I want to share from this and pull out today just to start us off. The history of Israel makes this verse stand out, right? Because God made Israel. If you remember, they were nothing. They were not a people. Israel comes from Jacob. He was a man. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, right? And he has these sons, right? And these sons become the 12 tribes of a nation, Right? We, we, we know Joseph ends up in, in Egypt, and that's how Jacob goes to find his long-lost son, and that's how they end up in Egypt. And from there, they become just a family, a really big family. Like if you have family dinners, like I mean, we're talking a couple hundred people here. Big family turns from a family into a nation. They grow in Egypt, and then God rescues them out of Egypt. He, he makes a, a country out of a family. God created Israel, right? And now they're in Egypt 400 years, and they need rescue. Because they go from, hey, we're growing, we're thriving, we're this awesome family. Uh-oh, the people are afraid of us now because we're so big and they've now enslaved us. 400 years Israel is enslaved in Egypt. Wondering, God, what did you do? Thanks for making me a people. But where have you been? I'm struggling here. And, and we read this in, in Exodus chapter 2. It says, years passed, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites continued to groan under the burden of their slavery. They cried out for help. Their cry rose to God. God heard their groaning remembered his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down at people and knew it was time to act. So God sees this, engineers a way out. You know the story of Moses, right? It's the story of Moses. God engineers his way. Pharaoh lets them go. In a very dramatic manner, God leads them out of Egypt, right? Plagues, all this stuff again. Charlton Heston, if you remember that movie, right? God leads them out. 
through, right? They come to, to the sea, the Red Sea, parts a sea, makes dry ground, and then defeats their oppressors in that same sea by having it collapse back on them. There's a 400-year-old problem that God takes care of here. It was the greatest act of rescue in history. I mean, we have many movies about this. You can find this, right? We're still talking about the story about this stuff today. God came through in their greatest moment of need. He's their king. He fights for them. He leads them out of slavery, does miracles for them, leads them to a land of their own. And now 700 years after this, so God does all these great things. It's 700 years later in Isaiah. 700 years. God is speaking to the descendants of the people who experienced that. They've surely heard the stories passed down. You know, oh, you know, God did this and God did that. And, and this is ancient history. And God reminds them, hey, I know you guys didn't live through this. Just like we didn't live through that. And was anybody around back, back then? I mean, some of you might be old, but. And God says, hey, you weren't there then, but let me just remind you who I am. I'm the God who created you. I'm the Holy One, the creator of your country. I'm your king. I'm the God who opens ways through oceans. I'm the God who makes dry ground underneath those oceans. I'm the God who calls out armies to chase you. I'm the God who takes care of them so you don't have to worry about them anymore. I'm the God who can do anything. I'm the God who can do all of these powerful things. And I want you to remember who it is that's speaking to you. That's what he leads with. I want you to remember who it is that's talking to you right now. Because it's easy to forget who God is. We're in a what have you done for me lately culture. It's easy to forget who it is that's talking to us. That was so long ago. Listen, that was so last year, right? Maybe God worked that way in like 1400 B.C., but, I mean, we're 700 B.C. now, God. You know, get with the times, right? Maybe God used to heal people, but does he really do that anymore? I know God got me that job last year, but I don't think he can help me this year. Right? It's so easy to forget who God is, and God wants to remind you who he is This is the year to remember who fought for you, who redeemed you, who who created you in the first place, who gave you purpose, who gives you a name, who protects you from your enemies. Listen, remember all of the think back to the greatest things that have ever happened to you. The greatest things God has ever done for you. The fact that you even know that he loves you, the fact that you're able to hear this now. Think back to all of those moments where God just came through for you. And if you're struggling to see that, ask to God, help me to see those times. Times he led you out of slavery, out of bondage, out of darkness. Because that same God wants you to know right now that you can forget all that. Think about how great of a thing it was. Man, how awesome it was. We're talking one of the most dramatic rescues in history, and God says that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Come on. Seriously. The best stuff in your life, nothing compared to what God is about to do. Nothing compared to what God is about to do. He says, listen, I'm going to make pathways through the wilderness, right? 
forget all that. I'm about to do something new. Something new. And that's what we feel like God is speaking to us this year. That 2020 will be a year of something new. Like, duh. (laughs) But I don't mean just something new. I'm talking about the kind of new that makes all of those great miracles God did in the past look like nothing. Forget all of that. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Because I'm about to do something new. Something new means something that has not been done before. Isaiah goes on to write that God has already begun it. So it's not like, oh, I'm just going to do something new this year. No, he's already working on it. He's already begun it. It's already started. It's in motion. Right? Do you not have eyes to see it? Maybe we don't. Right? He's going to make rivers in the dry wasteland. He's going to make pathways through the wilderness. This right here is a picture. Uh, of the Euphrates River. That's actually a picture, real picture. You can you can Google it, Google Earth. Actually, you can you can zoom down on it. It's amazing. It's really cool. I was doing some research on the Euphrates. It is awesome. Such a cool such a cool visual. I mean, is that a river in the dry wasteland? Like that's what it looks like to me. That's that's a that's that's a river through some dry and arid land. The Euphrates is one of the OG rivers. Like, it goes way back. You go back to the beginning, Garden of Eden, says four rivers come out of it, Euphrates is one of them. You go back to the beginning of the story, this river's been around a long time. Long time. It cuts through the dry ground of the Middle East, eventually flowing to the Persian Gulf. And God made that river. I believe that's, it's just a simple reminder that God can make rivers and deserts. You want to find life in Syria? You go to the Euphrates River and you can look. So I promise so so look, if you like all of these here, right? All of those, these are these are like homes. There's, that's 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 people. Because outside of that, there's not a whole lot. People God brings life. God brings life when he cuts through. We believe God wants to do something new in us this year. And God says, Hey, it's time. See, when God says it's time, you know what it is? Uh, it's time. When he says it's time to free Israel, it's time to free Israel. When God says it's time to do something new, it's time to do something new. And I, It's important to recognize where God wants to do this something new. I think this is really important. He says, I'm going to make pathways in the wilderness. I'm going to make rivers in the dry wasteland. God wants to do something new in the old places. He doesn't say, I'll bring you out of your wilderness into some other place. I'll take you out of those dry areas. He says, no, I'm going to do a miracle in it. I'm going to do something new in it. I'm going to take your wilderness, and I'm just going to cut a highway through it. I'm going to take what seems like a desert to you, and there's going to be a river flowing through it. That's what God wants to do. He's not going to take us from where we are and just move us out of it. right? He's not going to change it. He's going to do something new in it. That's different. That's important to know. God can take your old heart and do something new in it. God can take your old relationship and do something new in it. He can take your old dreams and breathe new life in it. Think about everything I've ever done, and guess what? It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. I've already begun it. I'm going to do something new. 
the greatest challenge of the something new that God wants to do in me is me. Because I know all about promises and ambition. This sounds nice, but let's, re- be, let's, be, let's be real, right? I am who I am. And I've been doing this a long time. Like, God doesn't make me new. My life is what it is. This verse was for people a long time ago. God didn't promise me anything. Like, that was for, that was for them. How can you take that verse and apply it today? How can you do that? I can't convince you of anything. You have to test everything and evaluate it for yourself. Scripture tells you to do that. Please do that. You should always do that. You should know. Who am I? I'm just some guy, like some schmo, right? You shouldn't listen to me. I'm nothing. There's nothing important in me except for this, that I happen to be given the opportunity to serve as pastor, and I believe fully in my heart that God has said this year will be a year where he wants to do something new in us. I can't prove it, but I'm standing here saying it. I'm going to own it. I can say with full confidence that God has said this will be a year of something new for all of us. And so I want to challenge you. I'm going to ask you. Ask God yourself. Is this indeed a year of something new for me? Every one of you. Ask God yourself. Don't take my word for it. But I do not fail to ask this question. Because if it truly is a year where God wants to do something new in you, something new like this, then you need to expect it. Right? If you're going to the trees and you're going, man, I'm, I'm not expecting anything. It's just, you know, it's winter. There shouldn't be any leaves. Then you're not expecting anything. But if I'm telling you that God is saying this is a season where he wants to do something new, you need to start looking at your life and saying, where are the dead trees? Where are the wildernesses? Where are those things? And what does God want to do new in them? So I'm going to challenge you. Approach this year with great expectation. Ask, and in your asking, as you're asking God, if this is for me, I want to do this, please. Remind yourself who it is that is saying this to you. Not so much me. But remind yourself who the one is. Hey, remember, I'm the Lord who led you out. I'm the God who directed you here. I'm the God who walked with you from here. I I saved you. I forgave you. I died for you. I did all this stuff for you. Remember who it is. The difference between the same old, same old in your life and the something new will come down to your belief in his word. Do you believe God is saying this to you? The enemy very clearly wants to keep you from believing. I promise you he is at work right now. Some of you right now are doubting this is from God. You're like, man, I'm just not buying it. I, I, I'm telling you, I knew, I knew it was coming. I just feel, I can feel there's this sense of resistance. There's this, some of you are like, I just, I don't even want to hear it. This is bugging me. I don't even like hearing it right now. It's just Pollyanna faith, pie in the sky. Let me tell you this. I have no idea what something new means. See, every year, every year, we do, we do a brand new theme. And I think I know what it means at the beginning of the year. I'm like, oh, you're a wonder. That's going to be awesome. God's going to just do just amazing things nonstop. Yeah, it wasn't that. You know, a year of multiplication, that means our church is going to grow in like crazy ways. Yeah, it wasn't that. I'm lousy at interpretation. 
but I can hear the words because it was absolutely in retrospect a year of multiplication just didn't look like I thought it was going to look. It was absolutely a year of wonder just didn't look like I thought it was going to look. I have no idea what something new is going to look like. I'm not promising roses and unicorns, right? It's not going to be awesome and something new and fantastic, and it's just going to be like a new car the whole year. Like, no, I don't know what something new is going to look like, but I promise you it's good because it's from God. I'm not promising anything other than sharing the words. And typically I would sit up here and tell you, so we feel like it's going to look like this and this and this and this throughout the year. I'm tired of making a fool of myself. I'm not going to do it anymore. Because I don't know. I have no idea what something new looks like for our church. I'm tired of guessing. I'm just going to walk through it. But I believe it. And I need to have eyes to expect and look for something new. So if you're here today, I'm just going to draw a line in the sand and challenge you. God wants to do something new in your life. It's all going to come down to whether you are welcoming him to do that or not. Do you believe it? You're like, yeah, this is not just a a life tree thing where our church is going to have something new, but it's unrelated to you. No, no, we are life tree. Well, God is speaking to us. He is speaking to us. But I want you to buy in for yourself. So here's what we're going to do. X factors, you know, we've done them the past few years, just sort of uh, something for you to, to take with you throughout the week to put this in practice. So here's our X factor. Ready? It's called the high five. High five. We were supposed to have cards here. They're getting delivered tomorrow. So you're starting off with a bang. Um, so you'll get them next week. But high five. Every day, five minutes. Take five minutes. It's the highest five minutes of your day. It's just prayer. It's just you taking time to pray to God. Saying, God, I'm going to give you five minutes. One minute on each of these things. One, start with thanking God for who he is. Remind yourself who he is. Thank God. Then, confess, right, your doubts. God, I'm going to confess my doubts, confess my failures. I'm going to just open up with God. God, I'm going to thank you for what you know, but I'm going to confess. I'm going to let you know. Let's just come clean, tell you where I'm at. It's where I'm at, God. I'm, I'm struggling with this. I blew this one. I'm angry about this. I'm annoyed about this. And I have no idea about that. I'm just going to confess it. Thank God, confess God. One minute. Just quick. Boom, 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 boom. Don't, not to be long drawn out. Ask. Ask God. God, do something new. Do something new. Just invite him. God, do something new. Then listen. Maybe God wants to speak something. Would you just pause and listen? Then finally, believe it. Spend an hour saying, God, I believe that you're saying to me that you want to do this new in my life. And God, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to, I'm going to confess, I, God, I, I believe that you want to do this. Say it out loud. Five minutes, highest five minutes of your day. Do it every single day. Highest five minutes of your day, the high five. So this week, throughout this year, really, we're going to be challenging you to do this. We're going to be encouraging you. I'm doing it along with you. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll send it out through email. We'll, we'll get it out there on social media so you can have it this week so you can remember. You can write the words down if you want. There's five words. If you, if you guys remember how to write or type it in, you want to take a picture with your phone, do whatever you want. High five. We'll get that to you. Right? Five minutes every day. Highest five minutes of your day. See, because if we'll welcome God to do something new in us, what could this year hold? What could God do if we actually... Invite him. 
to do something new in us. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com. Thank you.